in another edition of our weekly recap uh, with Defiant Print Team. Uh, welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Um, here we are with Owen and Alex, our uh, reporters, and WayWayC Trader, our head of news, and I'm Camille Russo, the uh, founder <clears throat> of the Defiant. Um, it's been another uh, eventful week in crypto and DeFi. Uh, biggest news as we've uh, had, I, I think, for you know the, the past few weeks is regulatory news with Coinbase receiving a wealth notice that signals the biggest exchange in the US may uh, be getting a lawsuit from the securities regulator. Um, then uh, other big headline was Arbitrum uh, airdropping its uh, ARB tokens and all the craziness that ensued. And markets uh, were uh, really uh, eventful this week as well uh, with a, a Fed rate decision, which cut the what had been um, a rally in crypto, uh, cut it short along with uh, other risk assets. So uh, let's get to uh, the biggest story of the week, uh, Coinbase. Um, Alex, you wrote the, the, the story for this one. So uh, why don't you uh, just give us a breakdown of what happened? Sure. So um, Wednesday night now, on Wednesday night, uh, Coinbase said that it had received a Wells notice from the Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, a Wells notice is not a lawsuit. No charges have formally been made, but it's basically a letter to a company, in this case Coinbase, saying our staff thinks that you're breaking the law. Uh, we're probably going to sue you, but we're giving you some time to tell us why you're not breaking the law to, to kind of change our minds. So um, everybody expects this to, to end up with a lawsuit from the SEC. The question is what exactly the SEC is, is alleging, right? So uh, Coinbase executives said that the SEC seems to have issues with its asset listing policies, with its uh, staking service, with Coinbase Wallet, uh, one or two other things that I can't recall off the top of my head. But it's it, the, the list is basically your entire business model. Um, and it seems like I, I spoke to, to a former SEC attorney who is of the opinion that depending on what exactly coin uh, the sec alleges and and the the specifics of the lawsuit this could be the defining case for crypto because i mean recall that the crypto industry has been asking for regulation it wants to know what the rules are so that it's easier to build so that people who are in the industry know that what they're working on today won't be illegal tomorrow um and rather than legislation that is specifically tailored to blockchain technology, rather than even just like a little guidebook where the SEC says, hey, this is exactly what we think about cryptocurrency and what's within bounds and what's outside. It's been uh, kind of making its opinion known piecemeal through, you know, a lawsuit here, a lawsuit there. Um, and if the SEC files a lawsuit that says uh we think everything on your platform that people can buy and sell 
is a security, then uh, and, and if Coinbase takes it all the way, right? Like if they don't choose to settle the way Kraken did with its uh, staking service earlier this year, a, a decision there could settle a question, right? Like are crypto tokens securities that are subject to very strict oversight from the SEC, oversight that's you know expensive enough that it probably means most uh, uh, projects are dead in the crib, or does it mean that crypto tokens are something else, maybe commodities, maybe their own class of financial assets? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I just uh, hopped on a, a space with Brian Armstrong today and, and yeah, he, he, I mean, he, they seem ready to, to take it to the mat, so to speak, and go all the way with the legal proceedings. And it, it will be, it will be very interesting to see the space maybe actually achieve clarity. And it's interesting that they're kind of positioning themselves. I, I noticed that they're kind of positioning themselves instead of as kind of within as a source of job growth as a in America, as like a pro American um, industry, um, or at least one that can like foster growth in America. And also they kind of specifically targeted the SEC as being kind of almost like a rogue institution. And um, I'm working on a story on that right now, but saying that other, yeah, like, like that, that, that stands out as being like the most kind of antagonistic of all kind of the, the regulators and lawmakers they've worked with. So it's, it's, it's interesting to watch Coinbase's legal, and communication strategy emerge around this and you know it's going to be so high profile that um yeah it's fun to watch yeah and to, to be clear any like if if clarity does come out of this it won't be for years uh you know this these things take a while to make their way through the process right so like this year we're gonna uh get a decision on the ripple versus sec case that's where the sec sued Ripple alleging that XRP is a security. And um, that's like, the, that's been the big one. Coinbase now seems like it's going to be the bigger one, but this one will give some clarity, but it, you know, it, it I don't know. I, I could, I'm not a legal expert. I don't even know if this opinion is um, predominant among legal experts, but I could see a, a decision in that case where we get clarity when, when it comes to XRP, but like not, a whole lot else uh, so you know it, yeah. it's still like it's still going to be like a long time before the industry assuming that congress doesn't step in which they don't seem inclined to do it's going to be a long time before the industry still knows exactly what's kosher and what isn't fair enough i think what's um also to worth highlighting in this case is how um how much Coinbase has been trying to play by the rules. Uh, like th this is not a case where it's a, a crypto company in the wild west, you know, um, purposely trying to skirt regulators. No, like they've, they've been um, actively kind of engaging with the SEC, trying to get guidance. Um, Coinbase is a publicly listed company. So they've had to file, you know, all these disclosures with the SEC. Uh, and so 
they've, they've really tried to get guidance on their uh, staking products, on the securities that, uh, that they trade. And according to, um, uh, to Coinbase, they haven't gotten an answer, uh, except for, you know, this, this kind of wealth notice, which tells them, no, you're doing something wrong, but the SEC isn't telling them exactly what they're doing wrong. Um, and you know, it's like, we, we, they're, they're not, they're not answering to Coinbase's kind of good faith, uh, attempts to play by the rules. Uh, they're just, you know, going straight to, to attack them, um, without even clarifying what it is that uh, they should have been doing. So it's, it's really, it's, it's really hard to understand what the strategy is here, uh, from at least as Coinbase, you know, Coinbase says we've been acting in good faith. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't trust anybody. It's true. <laughs> you know, it's it's like... true. But this is uh, taking Coinbase at kind of their word. So, you know, we, we, sh we should uh, obviously take it with a grain of salt, but, um, you know, it's still there, there, there might be some truth there just uh, seeing how the SEC has, uh, you know, reacted, has acted uh, with, with crypto in the past, which is just like not giving any clarity at all. Yeah. Uh, no, making I mean, it, it, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's just, it's, uh, it's, we've, we've kind of covered this before, how hard it is to actually register and, um, Paradigm yesterday, uh, I think one of you guys shared it, uh, had a really interesting blog post saying that uh, it's it's not it's it's not a viable strategy for crypto projects to register with US regulators. Um, because Gary Gensler makes it seem like it's filling out a form in the SEC website. <laughs> and it looks like it's it's far from true that it, it it's really a, a complicated lengthy expensive uh, process that um you know it's 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 not like crypto just refuses to to uh, to comply with it's just that it's it hasn't been able to um i don't know that's that's kind of paradigm's argument have you had an opportunity to go through paradigms argument because I'm, I'm curious whether it's just like um you know the the usual industry thing like well we don't want to go through the process so we're gonna say well you know it's really long it's really expensive it's really hard but you know the rest of the financial world has been grudgingly doing that this whole time as opposed to no no we actually like literally can't like that their argument is that crypto literally cannot uh register according to the the documents that uh, that they would have to like i think it's like form s1 and their argument is that because of how crypto is structured that there are some questions there that uh, projects protocols can't answer like i would imagine um it has to do with information about uh, customers uh, stuff like that you know where kind of being a non-custodial protocol you know you, you can't do that or but in any case that that could be a good project for for you guys to take on you know uh, like maybe report on how how 
easier how how hard it is to actually fill out these documents i'm going to start an alex token mm -hmm. and okay. <laughs> i'm going to i'm going to try to register with the sec i'll let you know how it goes could could be a nice uh like first person journalism account i, I think we should yeah. actually do it but let's let's try and, and see I've for got ourselves. friends yeah yeah um I, I think it'll be you know good kind of citizen journalism style <laughs> uh, yeah so anyways it's that's the that's paradigm's argument that it's just beside it being hard and cumbersome and expensive crypto companies aren't able to actually comply because of what it's asking. Right. Um, so anyways, uh, we're, we're continue to see this uh, crackdown on crypto by uh, US regulators. This time, uh, it appears to be towards the biggest exchange in the US. So uh, as uh, we reported in the story, it could be the defining case of the crypto era. Uh, as Alex said, those definitions won't come for years because this stuff uh, takes a long time. Uh, but, you know, being Coinbase uh, and, you know, kind of thinking, speculating really about what might be covered, uh, which is uh, whether all these digital assets that are being traded on Coinbase, whether these assets are securities, whether uh, staking as a service is uh, uh, similar to a securities offering. All of those questions are really key and core to to crypto. So, yeah, and this actually wasn't the only SEC news Wednesday. Um, it, it overshadowed news that came out of the SEC itself. Uh, the SEC had announced that. Um, it was going after Justin's son, who founded the Tron blockchain. Oh, and I thought you were talking about the sushi news, but yeah, no, lots no. of news, lots of news. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah Justin's no, son. Yeah, and and like uh, it also uh, uh, went after a couple of famous, like uh, Soldier Boy, uh, Lindsay Lohan, um, Lil Yachty, I think, uh, because they son had paid them to shill. I love these guys. Uh, uh, what, what token was it? TRX. Um, that's that's not as as big of a deal. We've seen a couple of these so far. Um, you know, they were called like Kim Kardashian got slapped with a big fine from the SEC. Um, they made similar allegations against Do Kwan, if I'm not mistaken. But but yeah, you you wanted to talk about sushi. That was another. Um, yeah. So I mean, just to clarify the the um the action against justin sun was because he was promoting trx without disclosing that he was being that, paid that or? trx and and btt this bit torrent token for anybody who you know back in the day had to download their music illegally they might remember BitTorrent. um that those tokens are under unregistered securities so that he he was listing and selling unregistered securities. So that's the, you know, the allegation that we've seen a bunch of times now against uh, crypto people this year, uh, but then separately uh, that he 
engaged in extensive wash trading. So he was manipulating the market for those tokens by basically trading them back and forth between himself so that it looked like there was a lot of activity and, and natural adoption there when in fact there was not. Um, and then separately going after these influencers that he was tied to because they violated the law. If they're going to shill somebody's security, uh, they have to disclose that they've been paid to do so which they didn't. Oh, you're muted. Yeah, so we've seen this kind of case uh, a, a few times. Um, but yeah, this sushi one it is a bit more interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we actually don't know a whole lot about it. We just mm -hmm. know that sushi received a subpoena from the SEC. So the SEC wants something from sushi it wants some kind of information what that information is we don't know i reached out to jared gray who's the ceo of the dow which is a an oxymoron that i haven't quite uh, managed to to get my head around just yet nevertheless uh he got back to me and basically said look i can't tell you uh anything more than i already said online uh and, and all he said was we got a subpoena we need to set aside some money for upcoming legal costs. Um, I, I don't know if that means that they should expect some kind of lawsuit if the SEC thinks anything untoward has happened there. Um, but you know, it's uh, it, it's 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 interesting in part because Sushi is again nominally a DAO. Um, and so it, it raises the question of who exactly is going to be liable should Sushi be found in violation of uh, presumably some kind of securities law, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah, we don't know much about this. Uh, it's interesting that uh, this whole discussion was being held in the public forum, the governance forum for Sushi, where uh, Jared Gray was asking for uh, this um, fund to cover legal expenses. Uh, so I think what he was looking for three million to cover legal expenses, and then to be able to top that off uh, if if they run out. So obviously, you know, he's um, expecting some uh, legal action against Sushi, uh, and uh, we don't know exactly. What that is, it's interesting that that legal action would be against a DAO. You know, Sushi is a decentralized organization. Uh, it has um, distributed contributors uh, globally, uh, lots of anonymous contributors. Um, I'm not sure if it has some like registered entity. Uh, I think you reported it, that it, it does, does, right? Yeah, so it, it just created three entities, um, two, two in oh, Panama, I think, yeah. and then one. Three entities uh, in Panama and one in the Cayman Islands. Right, and and it did that because it wanted to reduce its legal liability. It it was worried that being completely unregistered, just being a, you know, motley collection of developers scattered around the world, if, if that's in fact how it was running, uh, uh, exposed all of them to, to, to I don't know, some kind of uh, 
it made them vulnerable legally in some way. Uh, so the idea here, I think, was to, to avoid exactly what seems to be coming from the SEC. Right. And then Eric Voorhees uh, said, if there's an entity, it's not a doubt. So he said, you know, don't let lawyers talk you into incorporation unless you want to be a corporation. Um, but it's, it's unclear whether not incorporating will actually protect DAOs. We saw last year this really interesting Uki DAO, uh, formerly known as um, BCX DAO, and how the CFTC um, fined Uki DAO, even if they had no incorporated entity. So, you know, this whole idea that by being a DAO fully online, uh, without any kind of physical presence or incorporation, whether that will actually be a sure way to uh, protect members from uh, legal action. Um, I think that's less clear after Ukidao. So I don't know if like Sushi could have avoided this at all. Right. Um, tough, tough week. Tough week. Uh, and it doesn't end there. Uh, we had this report from the White <laughs> House. <laughs> right on. Um, I, I can jump in. This was a, a Sam story, and I apologize, guys. I didn't sleep very well, so I may be dumb today. Um, but that, that said, um, uh, yes. So on, I believe it was Wednesday, there is an economic report which comes out uh, annually from the... Uh, uh, Council of Economic Advisors is actually Monday. Um, and basically it slammed cryptocurrencies broadly, uh, both as a, a means of payment, a store of value. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just, it, it was yet another example of showing how far apart crypto proponents are from Washington. And um, yeah, I mean, Crypto looks pretty bad given the past year. So I, I think maybe SBF has left a bad taste in everyone's mouth, especially considering how close he was with everyone else. Um, I talked to some uh, mm -hmm. Christian Smith about that uh, this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, on, on the flip side, in terms of just like the amount of real estate, the this economic report dedicated to digital assets, it was pretty huge. I think it was like, an eighth of the of, a, of the report or got its own chapter i think uh fred esherum founder co-founder of coinbase uh commented on that saying well like you're at least like living uh you know rent free in the biden administration's head so we'll have to see where it goes i mean it, it, from from my brief reading of it it seems like crypto was oddly panned and the alleged advantages about um, kind of increasing financial inclusion and efficiency um, were basically disagreed with. And yeah, yet another sign of kind of this, this ongoing battle crypto appears to be gearing up for in Washington. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's really a shame that, uh, you know, these uh, analysts in Washington uh, are, are seeing such a skewed, you know, have a, such a skewed view of, of crypto, seeing like just the negatives like that 
come out of it and not all the, the positives. I think, you know, it, it's undeniable that uh, crypto is solving a problem that couldn't be solved before. Uh, it, it's real innovation. It's uh, the ability to transact without intermediaries globally. Um, and uh, I think it's, it's at least demonstrated that's the case. <clears throat> of course, you know, in the same way that there's speculation in traditional markets, people will speculate with money. Uh, you know, it's it's what happens. Like, um, you 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 want to invest. You want to bet if something will gain in value, and that will happen with penny stocks, and it will happen with shit coins. Um, but it's not the nature of big of like crypto that makes that happen. It's it's human nature that makes that happen. I mean, you can't stop that. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a very, very narrow view of what crypto can do. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and then, uh, you also reported Owen on, uh, crypto companies, uh, being debanked. This was, I think a blockchain association report. Yeah. So, um, Alex report, reported on that initially week and this was a follow-up where i got a hold of christian smith who is the ceo of the blockchain association which is a major trade association for crypto and pushes pro policy in washington so they kind of made a slight departure from their normal approach which is usually debating about documents in the public but last week they actually made a call for uh Uh, I think, did we lose Owen? I think we lost Owen. Oh no. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I, I can just pick it up real quick yeah. while we wait for, for Owen to, to join us again. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, the Blockchain Association asked, you know, it's the big narrative to kick off uh, 2023 has been that crypto in the US is suffering from a operation choke point 2.0, right? The, the idea that the, the Biden administration is trying to completely sever it from traditional financial markets, but that's uh, a theory with a lot of anecdotal evidence, but no actual hard proof. And the blockchain association is looking for that proof. I'm not going to hand this over to Owen, mm -hmm. who can take it from there. Thanks, man. I'm telling you guys, I was so eloquent while I was, uh, while I was kicked off. <laughs> Missed out. I'm sure. Um, but uh, anyways, so I'm not sure what everyone heard last, but uh, yeah, I caught up with Christian Smith, and you know, there she noted that they typically operate in um, in in public, in that they're dealing with like public documents and making statements about potential legislation. Um, whereas now they're kind of they're changing their tack a bit and looking of being debanked and kind of in a more closed way, kind of um, internalizing a lot of, I think, e e emails from people who may have been debanked to try to kind of understand where that, I mean, I think Alex was speaking to this, you know, there's this feeling that crypto is kind of, that there may be some kind of coordinated attack on crypto companies and denying them banking services. And I mean, the, the question is what, whether the, I think the most interesting question in crypto right now is like whether that is happening and what is the nature of that like 
quote unquote operation choke point or even more broadly operation just like the anti-crypto operation which could include the sec like what is motivating that and just like the specifics of the nature of of that kind of anti-crypto sentiment coming out of you know various governmental agencies so yeah i mean it's interesting and she wasn't and no one is quite willing to pin no one's willing to say it's a conspiracy i mean christian's big idea was that she felt like this backlash which does seem coordinated is more about sbf than it was about like some attempt to stop crypto from like revamping or taking over the financial system so um yeah she wasn't really to say i, I kind of say it was like some crazy conspiracy which she was not ready to do um to her credit um but yeah, I mean, this was just another instance of, of her. And, but she said they're kind of putting together some interesting companies and anecdotes um, of companies that have been debanked. So they're trying to, I think, figure out how to go public and like tell a certain story about crypto. Um, so they're still in the information gathering stages um, as well Hello. as just trying to go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no. I can't wait to see that uh, that report. I think the, the idea is that everyone has heard anecdotal evidence about crypto being debanked. So it's mm -hmm. good to have actual examples, like actual you know data numbers yeah. behind that uh, that general sentiment. Yeah. Um, and interesting that she she didn't say that this is kind of a coordinated effort from yeah. U.S. regulators to kind of crack down on crypto or demand crypto. It might be a coordinated effort. I think she didn't rule out a coordinated effort, but she didn't say that it was a coordinated effort in, in order to like prevent crypto from succeeding so much as to like distance itself from maybe the the kind of bad sheen of crypto, especially the bad sheen of SBF. You know, like I think there's this undercurrent going on in crypto where it's like this is this revolutionary financial system, like this is this battle and you know the powers that be want to maintain the status quo so she wasn't willing to say that but she i think she would be okay with saying it's possible there's some kind of conspiracy to kind of distance itself from sbf and all the kind of you know arguably gross or or kind of like things that did really hurt uh retail traders in the last year yeah i think the uh for what it's worth the idea that you know the the powers that be the politicians are terrified of crypto and the freedom and financial revolution that it's going to unlock you know even like people who who work with the politicians who've spoken to me on on background you know like like when they when they put their name to their words right if mm -hmm. you got to work with these politicians and these regulators you're not going to want to talk smack about them right but sure. you know even when we're kind of just talking off the record about it none of them actually think like they're scared of the revolution that's coming. You know, it's you look back at, at one of the FTX uh, uh, hearings and, and it, it makes more sense if you understand it through the lens of, I think it was a California congressman, his name is Brad Sherman, who is like, like crypto reminds me of the pet rock craze. You know, it's like when, <laughs> when, when you think of the regulators and the administration thinking about crypto is essentially a pet rock that, that, can like bring down the broader financial system if it's too tightly integrated, then what they're doing, however, uh, out of, uh, 
however unreasonable it is, however illegal it could possibly be, right? Because you can't like just debank a, a legal industry. It makes more sense in that light. And, and yeah. the, the people that I've spoken to all seem to, to think of it in, in that way, right? Because FTX happened and politicians don't want, like FTX was the industry in the minds of a lot of regular people, right? So like nobody wants to look like they're carrying water for FTX or for the, you know, the next FTX, yeah. uh, whenever that happens, uh, no regulator wants to, to, to look like, oh, well, you know, we just let it happen. I mean, they effectively did with FTX, but you know, the next, next time this happens, it'll be really easy for somebody to point to a regulator and be like, so that happened. And then you just didn't do anything. Yeah. So it's like really a, you know, a lot of it is just motivated by the fact that like, look, like, thank goodness FTX didn't actually matter in the grand scheme of things, the way Lehman brothers mattered in 2008. We want to keep it that way. We want to keep yeah. it separate from the traditional financial world because that's the one that matters. Yeah. You know, not, not, the, not the, according to, according to Brad Sherman, the, the pet rock bunny world. Yeah. Um, and that's, right. that's where I think they're coming from. Um, There's but, also, I think it's that, I think you're right, that it's, it's this, this view of, uh, of, of cryptos is like um, joke uh, a bit, or, or at least like this, like playground, like of people playing with funny money. Um, yeah. But I think there's from from uh, what I've uh, the idea that I've gotten uh, also talking to people from from Washington is if there is some bigger fear of crypto, it's uh, about the potential for Bitcoin uh, or stable coins or uh, just more likely Bitcoin to undermine the value of the dollar. That's mm -hmm. that's kind of the 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 other threat that washington is seeing uh, and obviously you know it, it wants to it, it wants the us dollar to maintain its supremacy um and so the the potential threat that they see in crypto and bitcoin is um you know what if people people start selling dollars for for bitcoin and yeah. uh, what if kind of uh, other countries, uh, you know, El Salvador was one example, but what if bigger countries choose to have Bitcoin as a reserve currency uh, and, you know, and, and not, uh, not, not uh, borrowing dollars and, uh, and, and so that could be a potential, like, bigger threat. Um, and I, I agree, it's not so much this kind of banking revolution that scares them. But what didn't use for the dollar? And I mean, it, it's hard because there's so many players. Right? I mean, it's not one guy. I mean, you know, Gary is one guy. You know, the people on the Coinbase space yesterday were saying, like, these individual Congress people, they were making the argument that all these individual con Congress people are just trying to get elected again. And and so, so Coinbase is making the push for people to, like, make their voices known for individual Congress people who may, you know, listen to their constituents. Uh, we left someone oh, again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was on a roll. Oh my god. He was. All right. Well, 
Yeah, okay. I guess I can pick yeah. that up again. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like something that I, I kind of want to look into a little bit is uh, the fact that this really seems like something that's set to catalyze a big industry response. Like there, it seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about like, okay, like this is it finally we're, we're going to like really get organized. We're going to really let them know what we think. Uh, and, and, you know, because as cynical as people like to be about how politics works, politicians do actually respond to what their people want. It might be delayed. It might be like, you know, they care less about what the average person wants than their high dollar donor. But the fact of the matter is that like when when they kind of get a feeling like, oh, crap, like my constituents are going to be really pissed if I don't do X, they usually do it. Right. So it's like if the industry, uh, you know, can can rustle up enough, uh, you know, just enough people uh, in, in, in enough districts across the country that could actually change things. The question is really just, are there enough people who care? Right? Like, can they mobilize that support? Because it's easy to, to, to feel that way when you're, for example, living in the, the crypto Twitter bubble and like everybody that you know, and, and the whole like online discourse is around this extra legal assault on a legal industry. Um, but whether they can actually get, you know, enough people in all 400 whatever districts to call their representative in the house like hey um like that that's a that's a huge lift that that was yeah go ahead cammy or or just just one sentence like yeah like that was the that was the nature of the coinbase's space yesterday is that push saying like look 50 million americans own crypto like you actually are a fairly large voting block um so yeah, it's just like, yeah. What what makes it tough is just like I know a lot of people who own crypto, even people who don't like crypto, who own crypto, because they're you know back in like twenty twenty one, they're like shit. I mean, I guess if it like might go to a million dollars, I'll get a little bit of Bitcoin, right? So it's like like there's there are a lot of people who own crypto and use crypto and believe in crypto, but there are probably a lot more who just happen to have a little bit in a wallet whose keys they may or may not still remember. Um, and and I wonder what the actual number is. The people for whom this, you know, it, it's more than just a, yeah, I bought some back in the bull market and I kind of regret it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I I think, you know, when, when regulators act, sometimes it does make sense, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, just Something. wanted to share this uh, latest news about Doquan arrested in uh, Montenegro. I think there there was this footage of him being arrested that was just just shared. So um, pretty pretty kind of uh, impressive to see this. Um, just like who used to be this rock star in crypto, this just like huge figure in the space being shuttled into a police car. Uh, crazy. I don't, I don't think anyone would have guessed uh, the 2022 bull run would have ended this way. Cammy, I think you've interviewed three people who have at least been accused of a crime 
in the past like, two years. Oh yeah, probably more than that. But we interviewed though. Um, <laughs> we uh, we had SVF on the podcast. Who else are you thinking of? Nate. Nate. Oh, you're right. Nate yeah. is also in the podcast. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Nate from uh, OpenSea. Oh. Uh. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what that says about the podcast, but. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, gosh. Um, also, Steve uh, Nereyov, but that's that's from my book. Uh, he was also a guest. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, I think we've all been kind of uh, railing against regulators being unfair to crypto. Uh, there are instances where, you know, it does make sense. Um, obviously, you know, I think uh, there there is space for um, for regulation. I think what everyone's been asking for is is not lack of regulation, but just clarity um, and and a viable path to become uh, regulated. Um, I don't know, like I, I'm still, I'm still torn about, about the whole Terra thing. Uh, I think it's different from, from Celsius, uh, from Three Arrows where people didn't know what was happening with their money. I think in the case of, of Terra, yeah, it was like uh, a badly designed protocol sure like badly designed stablecoin but you yeah but no one forced anyone to exactly. throw 40 billion at it exactly yeah yeah but that's you like why the sec exists in the first place right the idea that like you know some people just aren't savvy enough like that you people don't know what's good for themselves like yeah. i don't know it's it you know it's like like nobody forced people to go into it, but like, if you're just like a regular person, you're like, well, you know, my savings account is getting, you know, 1% or whatever. And, and, you know, I want to make a little bit of money and buy a house one day and like, oh, look at Tara. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You can't blame anybody for not having like audited the code themselves and like realized, oh man, this algorithmic peg mechanism is just shaky. Yeah, um, yeah I think what kind of made the prog problem worse than it was, was there were a bunch of like third parties who were taking money from people and putting it in anchor behind the scenes and keeping mm -hmm. a cut. Right. So we mm -hmm. saw a lot of them collapse after UST did. Right. And those guys were straight up marketing uh, their product as a savings product. So yeah. obviously I, you know, that uh, I think those companies need to be, uh, definitely taken and uh, held accountable for uh, because yes for us who are in DeFi and we understand the mechanics like a lot of people could see that it was you know ponzi-esque having been been rugged by multiple algorithmic stable coins over the last two years right it's just that it grew so big so quickly uh, for various factors including other protocols also piling on and you know enabling it for example, the DGen box strategy, right, that uh, came out from Abracadabra. So you could leverage up UST to the gills and make 150% APR on a stablecoin. So, I mean, who wouldn't jump at that, right? So we had whales, dolphins, even small fish. Everyone was getting into these these things at the time. Um, 
so yeah, I don't think it's completely fair to blame um, the team completely. I mean, obviously, uh, according to Fat Man, like they did a lot of uh, shady stuff behind the scenes, right? But we we don't we can't confirm that yet. So I guess we'll have to wait and see how the court proceedings play out. I'm curious. Do we we don't know yet? Like where he might get extradited to, do we? Batman, sure. I talked, I messaged with Batman. He thought Korea would take precedence because, be, you know, literally just because it was home country. But I don't know. I don't know how international law in that way works because, I mean, yeah, three different uh, leaks have been taken against him from three different countries. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the US, Korea, and Singapore. Yeah. I mean, I guess since the red notice was requested by uh, the Korean authorities, that and if he was arrested on the basis of that, then it would make sense that you know South Korea might get first dibs or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's a war. Um. So he first. Here he says he was charged with document forgery, so <clears throat> something completely different from anything related to Terra. Uh, yeah, he was just tr he was trying to leave the country with like a fake passport or something. Yeah, <clears throat> crazy. Of He's he trying to go to Dubai. Dubai right? Yeah, <laughs> to join everyone to else, all the yeah. crypto uh, uh, titans of industry are all hanging around there. Yeah, get lunch with the three arrows guys. That should make for interesting kind of, I don't know, conversation. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Clinking glasses like they almost got us, but. <laughs> okay, let's let's change tack and talk uh, markets because it was an eventful week. Why was it? Do you want to take this one? Uh, sure. So we had the Fed decision this week on Wednesday, um, and this was this was one of the most uh, widely anticipated ones. Not that uh, the previous ones haven't been watched, but. Uh, this one in particular, just because of the banking crisis um, or the bank failures that we had uh, the week before, um, I think two of the three largest in U.S. history, if I um, remember correctly. So uh, everyone was waiting to see if the Fed would kind of pause or, you know, uh, come up with some sort of measures to kind of shore up the banking system, which they did. They've come up with this uh, bank lending program that lets banks essentially borrow um, against their now devalued bonds at face value. So they don't need to actually realize the losses by selling them. They can just borrow against them and wait for um, the prices to recover, which sounds, you know, a lot like a bailout, if you ask me. As a private investor, you'd never get a deal like that. Like, hey, man, my portfolio is down. Can you, you know, lend me at 2021 peak values? No chance, right? But... Uh, yeah, this is the the, two, the banking system, so obviously too big to fail and all that. So in terms of crypto, um, not too much of a reaction as compared to previous uh, hikes. Um, Bitcoin and ETH were down about 4% on the, on the decision, uh, but then reversed all of that and more yesterday. And then today we've kind of fallen back in. So, so it's basically we've been consolidating the gains of the last two weeks. Uh, I'd say, because we had quite a substantial rally uh, across crypto, right? Um, since, I'd say, the 10th of March. So so you're thinking crypto held up uh, pretty well, uh, considering? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think um, a lot of people think that this is it in terms of hikes. So the FedWatch tool actually predicts um, right now an 88% chance of no hike at the May meeting. Mm. Right. So um, I guess a lot of people think that, yep, this is it. And that's a change from when the article came out, I guess, because people were still expecting 25 basis points, according to that screenshot. Is that it? No, no. This is the actual uh, watch. Okay. So, yeah. So, so people are looking for, wait, current rate 475 to 500. Yeah. So no change. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah. okay. So I guess like the, the market should hold up well. If people think that the this last twenty five basis point hike was the last one, yes, mm -hmm. and um, we have more than a month till the next meeting, right? May third, so that's a lot of time for markets to. I mean, sure, we could get a, another black swan out of nowhere, but uh, more often than not, I think uh, markets are just consolidating the gains that they've. Uh, accrued over the last two weeks and hopefully see, we see some more upside going forward. That's good to hear. Uh, why, why do you think um, you, like the trend for crypto has been up uh, since the start of the year and, uh, and, and now with this, it seems like it, it might continue that way. Why do you think it's driving it? The dollar has weakened. Um, that's basically uh, what what I look at, especially mm -hmm. in terms of uh, uh, pricing of risk assets, because everything's priced in dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So if we see, I'm just taking a quick look at the chart here. Um, so the dollar was sitting at about 104, 105 uh, when we started the year, and then we had it uh, uh, drop by around three, four percent into February, right? So that. I think fuel the initial boom, um, and of course the the completion of tax selling and all that stuff, right? So January is generally positive, but then yeah, we've seemed to have built some momentum, and especially Bitcoin in particular has got a bid on the back of these banking issues, right? Because uh, I think its value as somewhat of a doomsday hedge has come back into the uh, equation. And I think, uh, Owen, you spoke to Deribit, right? And they had something similar to say that uh, open interest on Bitcoin is at an all-time high, at least on their platform. Uh, Deribit is the biggest uh, option clearinghouse that we have in crypto. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, I think that's that's played a factor as well. So altcoins haven't performed as well as Bitcoin, at least in this last rally that we've had this month. It's just been uh, Bitcoin and, of course, uh, Arbitrum-related uh, tokens that have done really well. Oops, I, I have here um, this chart from CoinMarketCap that shows Bitcoin dominance. Um, it's at 46%, and that's the highest since uh, June of last, of, of last year. Um, yes, that was when Three Arrows collapsed, right? Mm -hmm. And within crypto, I mean, all all coins were just getting decimated, and everyone was fleeing to Bitcoin, which was also crashing, but not crashing as much. Right. Right. So, 
Yeah, so I, I don't think we're seeing a similar sell-off in terms of other assets, but just that they aren't catching a bid. It's just uh, been the Bitcoin story this month. It's crazy how, because like usually these um, Bitcoiner narratives don't actually play out. Like we've seen, like we saw with inflation, uh, like if inflation is picking up, you you expected uh, Bitcoin to, uh, to rise, but... Um, but we didn't see that last year. And I remember kind of, you know, there was this whole argument of is Bitcoin actually an inflation hedge and so on. Uh, but in this case, with the banking crisis, this typical uh, Bitcoin as a doomsday hedge actually did play out. It's interesting to see. Like, I think it also came at a time at it was okay, banks uh, failing. And also stable coins, uh, not not failing, but there was kind of uh, more risk associated with holding stable coins because because they had fiat in in these banks. So if, if you can't go, if you can't keep your your fiat in the bank and you can't keep stable coins, then the next best thing is Bitcoin. Yeah, I think it's uh, you know the hard money characteristic definitely came to the forefront this month. Uh, yeah. Because this was more of people worried about the U.S. dollar collapsing and like hyperinflation and stuff, right? Which is why we saw that bet uh, that uh, right. ran like wildfire. Where is it? Here we go. We had a, a video on this. Uh, um, it's crazy bet by Balaji saying that Bitcoin will be worth uh, 1 million in 90 days. Basically that the entire uh, economic order will collapse in, in 90 days. It was uh, fun being at a wedding this past weekend. And, uh, you know, I just had like my go to like dinner table conversation. I'm like, okay, so there's this guy named Balaji. He really likes Bitcoin. And yeah, people are just like, whoa, no way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's this, you know, whole debate on what his motivations are. Like, does he actually think this? Is he doing this because he. He, you know, he's like pumping his own Bitcoin bags. Is he doing it for publicity? He, he's been explicit that he doesn't actually think he's going to win the bet. He's like trying to like sound, know, the, alarm, sound right? the alarm. Yeah, he 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 called himself like the uh, these aren't his exact words, but like the financial market Paul Revere, right? You know, like riding through the metaverse, like telling people like quick like dump your dollars get bitcoin before it all goes to hell um he did get the his like coronavirus um uh, call right so he he was like sounding the alarm on covid uh, way before everything went down so he does have that to his kind of credit um something that just like on the topic of like bitcoin's rally that that I thought was interesting. I read this earlier this week. It was actually in a, a Wall Street Journal story about the rally. It notes that Bitcoin's rally has been driven by a small number of wealthy crypto investors. On Monday, the number of Bitcoin buyers and sellers was near its lowest point since the summer of 2022, hmm. according to, to one data firm that, that did this analysis. Um, and according to that analyst, these investors bought Bitcoin on hopes that the Fed may slow its pace of interest rate increases, thus benefiting Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, 
so that, yeah, that's just interesting, you know, that like, that apparently a couple of whales have been able to, to, to push the price up so much lately. Yeah, that would line up with the conversation with Darabit too, like, because they only have like a couple thousand customers, but that accounts for like 90% of the open interest for options. So I mean, just likewise, like that there was a spike there, I think maybe means this is like a somewhat institutionally driven rally for Bitcoin, which is interesting. It is, and it makes sense because it's not like we're seeing this kind of wave of newbies come in. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's kind of a different sort of rally. Yeah, totally. Okay. And then I, we're running out of time. So want to get to, I, I think what will be our, our, our final uh, big headline of the week, which was the Arbitrum airdrop uh, happened. No, where, where's the story? No, that's not it. This one. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it happened yesterday, um, and it was pretty ironic that uh, this is a scaling platform and it couldn't handle its airdrop very well. Um, Alex, what was uh, what was the story? Yeah, um, so the token went live yesterday morning, and about six hundred thousand, uh, a little more than six hundred thousand wallets were eligible for the airdrop, everybody wanted to quickly get in, get their tokens. Some people wanted to sell it as quickly as they could so they could cash out. Um, and it, Arbitrum struggled to handle that flood of people early Thursday. The The website that you had to go to to, to claim tokens crashed for a little bit. Um, people that I spoke to were saying that they had trouble just like making the claim or, or selling their their arb tokens um that not all of their transactions were were going through earlier in the day um the transaction fees on on, on ethereum and on its roll-ups like arbitrum they fluctuate based on how much network activity there is and so uh you know part of the point of a roll-up like arbitrum is is not only to 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 do things more quickly than Ethereum can, but to also do them more affordably. So where a transaction on Ethereum might typically cost like one or $2 uh, for the simple stuff uh, on Arbitrum, it's it's like fractions of that. It's, it's measured in cents, not dollars. Uh, yesterday morning, that fee on Arbitrum went as high as $3. Uh, it was actually more than it was on Ethereum briefly. Um, so, you know, it's it's just like you said, it's ironic. Um, the the whole point is is to like like those are the problems that you have on Ethereum. This like Arbitrum is there to solve this. And it's not the first time this has happened, right? Like uh, Arbitrum had a, a rewards program last year where it was trying to encourage people to use its network, and in exchange for using it, they were awarded with NFTs, if I'm not mistaken, and that was too successful. Too many people tried to use Arbitrum. That also sent gas fees way up. I think also in that case, briefly above those on Ethereum, and they just they canceled the program because they're like, okay, this it's like breaking our our blockchain. Um, now the problems were short lived, I should say. You know, after like maybe two hours yesterday. Um, the fees started to come back down. Everything started to pick up. Um, 
And, uh, you know, by the latter half of the day, that was kind of behind Arbitrum. But nevertheless, it just shows that, like, you know, Ethereum has its limit. Um, the scaling solutions also uh, have their limit, and it's not all that hard to hit that limit today. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Arbitrum usually averages what? Uh, these days, what, a million transactions or so before the airdrop? So it's not geared, I don't think, for 600,000 people to hit it at the same time, especially like our, like RPCs went down, the site went down, even Arbiscan went down for a bit because, you know, DJs can't wait. You know, we need our free tokens. And I, yeah. it took me about 25, 30 attempts before I could claim um, because I was in a rush because I wanted to LP right away to collect fees, right? And the Uniswap pools were just printing right out of the gate. Um, I think the APR must have been north of 10,000, uh, at least in the first hour or so. Um, it's come off now a bit. I think this morning I'm getting maybe 3,000, 2,500 or so, but still good. Jesus. Are, did you did you select a certain range? Uh, yeah, and luckily enough, um, um, prices stayed in that range uh, pretty much yeah. since I opened the position. So sure. it's been... Uh, it's been great. Yeah. And about, I think, uh, more than 80% have claimed now. So it's um, like traffic congestion, everything's back to normal. The network's working fine. Like Alex said, uh, after the first couple of hours, things started to calm down. And uh, yeah, everything was smooth again. And it's actually a quite, uh, quite a nice experience to transact on Arbitrum versus mainnet. You know, your transaction actually finalizes or you, you get a confirmation immediately in under a second, right? Not like on ETH where you're waiting. Okay, am I going to get into this block? Wait 15 seconds. That's gone. All right. Am I going to get into the next block? So, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot better in terms of user experience, I'd say. So hopefully all the scaling um, solutions that come out, whether it's ZK Sync that just launched today, right? The mainnet. Yeah. And or all the other ZK EVMs that are coming up. We have Polygon on the 27th. And um, I mean, there are a bunch of teams working on it, right? So yeah. hopefully this means that, I mean, we the majority of DeFi TVL is still on Ethereum, right? So we'll it'll be interesting, interesting to see if uh, a lot of it moves to these layer twos once they get more established and, you know, people are more comfortable using them in terms of security and decentralization or whatever, right? Cam, you're muted. We've talked about this uh, layer two race for, for dominance and now um, optimistic rollups like Arbitrum and Optimism uh, are getting even more competition with the CK rollups uh, coming to mainnet with CK Sync today. Um, so definitely interesting to see. I, I really hope that when these networks are congested, it's because of actual activity, like people doing stuff and not wanting to claim airdrops. Uh, you know, that's just my hope for crypto. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we, we should start wrapping up. Um, uh, like SafeTM said in the comments, uh, what a week. Um, we, we, you know. Coinbase was the biggest headline, but we had plenty of other regulatory news. 
uh, the Fed rate decision, arbitrage airdrop, CK Sync launching mainnet. Uh, we also have an other kind of smaller uh, tech updates. Uniswap launched uh, on Avalanche. Uh, there's this decentralized RPC called the RPC that launched. Uh, Polygon and Immutable uh, teamed up on a gaming focused CK EVM. Um, and yeah, those are just the, some of the headlines that, uh, that we covered here. So uh, that's it uh, for today. Uh, join us next week for another weekly recap. Bye, everyone. See you guys.